0: Well, good morning, everyone. My name is James Rosenquist, together with my wife, Elena. We lead the church here in Pittsburgh, Uh, and it's great to be together on this Easter day. Um, Today, we are talking about and celebrating the resurrection, and uh, we're going to do it a little bit differently. Uh, We're not going to talk—we have already talked about Jesus rising from the dead, but we're going to look at John chapter 11, which is about another person in the Bible rising from the dead. Uh, we're going through the book of John, and this is where we are on purpose. We're John 11 on Easter, looking at Jesus making the claim, I am the resurrection. So long before he was ever resurrected, Jesus entered into the scene and said, hey, I am the resurrection. I am the source of new life. I am the resurrection. And my hope today is for us not just to be in awe of God that, that he uh, brought about resurrection, that Jesus rose from the dead but also to look into our own life and discern, okay, what, what kind of resurrection is needed in my life, right? It's one thing to, to look on the, the empty tomb and to be excited and all that, and that's great, but to take a second and say, what kind of resurrection do I need in my life, and what ways do I need to, to rise again? And, and uh, for a lot of us, we, we deal with resurrection on a regular basis. You know, in the morning when you wake up, that's kind of a mini resurrection, right? <laughs> you wake up for some, you know, the, the aches and groans are there, and you feel like, man, did I die in my sleep last night? And you're stretching it out. Um, I know for myself, I wish, when it comes to getting up in the morning, I wish I woke up in the morning with the same motivation I had the night before I went to bed. Right? Think about how ambitious you are before you go to sleep. You set that alarm, you're like, surely, 5.30, I'm good to go. I'm going to be ready, I'm going to get up, I'm going to do some yoga, some Sun salutations. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to read my Bible. The coffee's going to be fresh. It's going to be a great morning. And then the morning hits, and you're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> and you're like, okay, hit the snooze or whatever. And we, we kind of have this uh, this regular routine of, of daily resurrection. And, and take that, and, and if you could take that ambition you have at night to get up the next morning, take that same kind of ambition to get up spiritually and to say, okay, how can I have that kind of ambition to, to rise again, to get Uh, My life going in the direction that God is calling me to go. So like I said, we're going to be in John 11. What's interesting, so as a church, we're going through the book of John. And everything is about to change. In John 12, basically John 12 all the way to John 20, it's about uh, nine chapters there. They all take place in the span of one week. So everything has kind of been leading up to this. And John 11 is the last kind of hinge point before you get into the Holy Week, which is the second half of the book of John. And John eleven is the the final sign. Basically, John was written to remind the Christians as they were they were thinking about throwing in the towel, thinking about giving up, and going to false doctrines or different things. John eleven, or the whole book of John rather, is to say no, no, don't, don't give up, don't, don't lose sight of who Jesus is. And so there's these seven signs in the uh, in the first eleven chapters of John that show that Jesus is. He's legitimate. He's, if you, if you will, too legit to quit. Don't give up on Jesus. He is, he is our Lord and Savior. Don't give up on him. He is legitimate. Follow him. And uh, John 11 is kind of the final straw in all of this. He has mastery over death. And so let's read together uh, here in, uh, in John chapter 11, picking up in, uh, in verse 14. So Jesus, I guess right before this, Jesus got word that his friend Lazarus, was sick. And uh, Jesus does something odd. He decides not to go right away to the aid of Lazarus. We know that Jesus is able to heal different people. He's already done this at this point. And so you think the setup is, hey Jesus, your friend Lazarus is sick. Jesus goes and him. And that would be good. That's kind of how the, the stories have gone up to this point. But there's this strange line, we won't read it, but uh, where basically the, Jesus finds out, oh man, Lazarus is sick. And he decides to stay where he is for a few days instead of going to his friend Lazarus to help him out. And uh, we'll get a little bit more insight onto that as we read. So let's pick up in verse 14. John chapter 11 verse 14 says this. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. Let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary. So Martha and Mary, uh, to comfort them, excuse me, to comfort them in their loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he has said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Man, this is such a cool story. Uh, and it's so cool that this happens before Jesus ever rises from the dead. It's kind of this precursor And it represents what Jesus wants to do in our life. He is the resurrection meant to bring new life into our own lives. And the story goes that uh, basically Jesus arrives on the scene, and he has two different interactions with the sisters, one with Martha. And she goes, I I know you can do it. I know you can do anything. If you had been here, you could have prevented his death. And uh, she has this interaction with Jesus. You see kind of some partial faith on her side, right? She even still refers to Jesus as teacher. So she kind of gets it, and she kind of doesn't. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Then Mary goes out to meet Jesus, and she's like, if you had been here, my, my, uh, my brother would not have died. So you see that faith. She had some faith, but it kind of stopped there. No, no one in this room is expecting Lazarus to come back from the dead. That, that was not on the radar of anyone in this scene. Um, but they go, and they enter into, or they, they go towards the tomb. And then there's this strange scene. And if you, were, uh, if you grew up in church, maybe you know this verse, Jesus wept. I liked it because it was like the shortest uh, verse in the Bible. If you wanted to memorize a verse, you're like, okay, I picked that one. (laughs) Jesus wept. Got it. I got my memory scripture for the the week. But uh, it's this really strange scene where we see Jesus breaking down. And we see even the crowd a little bit confused of why is he doing this? Look how much he loved Lazarus. And it's odd to us to read about this because we're like, why was he crying? He's about to raise him from the dead. Right? It's kind of a weird, weird thing for Jesus to be weeping when he's about to raise the guy from the dead. We'll talk about that too, but that's part of the scene. And then all of a sudden he goes, hey, roll away the tomb. Roll away the stone. Bring him out. Come on. He, he's, he's not dead. He's merely sleeping. Come on out of that tomb. And there's some, you know, some issues of, hey, it's going to smell pretty bad. You start rolling away that stone, you know, we're, not, we're not dealing with Tupperware. You know, there's there's going to be some, something going on, right? And uh, at the same time, the the most amazing thing happened, and I love the line here, it says, the dead man came out. The guy who was dead, the guy who had no hope, was able to walk out of the grave. My hope for us this morning is that we can connect to the resurrection. The title today is uh, Resurrection Connection. Can we personally connect to the resurrection? If Jesus is the resurrection, let us connect to him. I have two points today. The first is redefine that if we're going to connect to the resurrection, that Jesus is the resurrection, if we're going to find connection in that, then that should lead us to redefine things in our life and to allow God's perspective to define things. You know, when we're connected to the resurrection, we allow God's perspective to redefine things in our life. Because God almost always sees things differently than we do. Right? God looks at our situations and sees them quite differently than we do. He looks at... uh, at things that we see as obstacles, and he sees opportunities. He sees things that we think are really important, and God looks at them and says, no, that's actually a distraction from what I want you to do. There are things in our life that we see that we're entitled to, and we think this would be good for us, and God sees it as self-destructive. There are things in our life where we see this is the end. There should be no hope here, and God says, no, no, it's not the end. It's just the beginning. I'm doing something in your midst. Uh, There's a pastor by the name of Dr. Charles Crabtree who once said, never put a comma where God has put a period and never put a period where God has put a comma. That's kind of us. We think that the story's over. This is a perfect example, right? Lazarus is dead. The story's over. And with God, it ain't ever over. And if there's one thing you take from today, it's that it's not over. Whatever situation you're going on in, that is going on in your life, whatever you feel might just be, man, I don't have hope right now. There's always cause for hope. Jesus is the Lord of resurrections. He's the Lord of new beginnings. He is the resurrection. Sometimes we think a situation is done and hope is lost, yet God says, I'm just getting warmed up. I'm at work. I got some things in store for you. You need only be still and see what I'm doing. And that's what happens in this story. The situation seems absolutely hopeless. He's dead. He's been buried. And yet Jesus says, it's not time for mourning. It's time for hope. Jesus redefines the situation on his own terms. Um, It's not a tragedy. It's an opportunity. He's not dead but asleep. Not just future resurrection, but resurrection here and now. And it is a time to rejoice no situation is ever too much for Jesus. Jesus here, he wears his heart on his sleeve. You know, he has deep emotion in this moment. We already referenced Jesus weeping. I think one of the reasons he wept is that death was never meant to be part of the equation. When God created us, death was never part of the original formula for our lives. We're supposed to live forever with God. Death is a result of sin. And so I think Jesus is face to face with, with death and he's like this was never the plan. I think that's one of the reasons that he wept. We also see that he was deeply moved. In this scene it says that twice that he was deeply moved and the greek there is kind of an angry compassion. You ever have someone in your life that that you love and they just make bad decisions and you just there's an angry compassion. I really wish you would stop making these bad decisions. I, I care about you. I'm frustrated that you're in that. And some of you are like, that's, that's me. <laughs> but uh, you're like, that's what Jesus has here. He has this angry compassion. And I think God sometimes look at, looks at our life and says, Why are you going down this path again? I have something far better for you. Allow me to redefine things by, by what I say is best instead of what you think is best. But uh, there, there's something really, uh, I think, fascinating right in this story here. They, he says, where's, where's the tomb? Where's the body? And uh, the response is, come and see. And if you're familiar, as we've been going through John, that's kind of Jesus' tagline. All the way back in John 1, he goes, I'm I'm coming to bring you new life and bring you the kingdom. And what does he say when he's calling his disciples? Come and see. So come and see is supposed to be direction to come and see and experience new life. And here that phrase is used to come experience death. Come see the tomb. And he goes, no, no, you're, you're twisting it. That's not what you're supposed to come and see. That's not supposed to be the experience uh, of, of my creation. The experience is supposed to be come and see new life. He redefines the situation. He says very clearly, take away the, st- the stone. This isn't a tomb. It's a hotel room, and it's checkout time now. It's time to get out. You know, any time in the Bible that there's a healing or a miracle, it represents the role that Jesus wants to play in our life spiritually. We talked about last week, uh, there's an individual right before this who was blind and it represented spiritual blindness, not being able to see things clearly or see God clearly. Here, what's happening with Lazarus is it represents a hopeless situation, a guy who's stuck. And we think maybe, uh, and I encourage you to think about your own life for a second. What's what's this area in your life where you feel stuck? Where you feel like, man, this is just how I'm always going to be. This is just how my marriage is always going to be. This is how my life is always going to be. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I don't think I can ever beat this addiction or, or, or see victory in this area. This is just how it's always going to be. And we put a comma or we put a period where God has put a comma. But he, uh, Jesus came to be the resurrection in our life. He came to bring new life. His desire is to bring about transformation. I'm going to have uh, Samantha Dick come up and share her story about resurrection and the ways that uh, she has been transformed by Jesus.
1: in church Um, (laughs) I just wanted to spend a little time and share how I got to this place you know Um, as everybody said my name is Samantha Dick and I've been a Christian um, for probably 30 years I think I'm not very good with numbers (laughs) but um, I'm going to share a little bit of my life story i um, with you guys this morning, and just how the resurrection has helped me and continues to help me. So, my early life, I didn't grow up with my family. Actually, my mom was only 15 when she was pregnant with me. I'm going to try not to cry. <laughs> and like any, for some teenage moms, that was tough. You know, shared a hard life trying to raise a daughter at 15. And a lot of times would abandon me, you know, just leave me by myself. My dad was a little bit older and he took me away from her. And I grew up with their best friend, which is my godmother. My kids know her, Auntie Maxine. Um, so I grew up with her family. And uh, during that time, you know, we're, I'm from Jamaica. My husband and I were hinder from Jamaica. We'd go to church. And church is a big thing in Jamaica and the islands, you know that. They said there, we have the most church per square mile anywhere in the world, in Jamaica. We also have the most bars too. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I grew up with this family who was not my family. And a lot of times I didn't feel like family. I was treated like an outsider. And, uh, um, and that was hard, especially when I was younger. Um, the only person I felt connected to during that time was my grandmother, and um, that was my mom's mom. And at around probably age 12, she went to the hospital for a procedure, and she had passed away. And it really broke me. And I said to myself, if there is a God, he is not in my life. And I think from that day on, I just never believed in God. Um, I grew up feeling like it was just hard to believe that there's somebody else out there that cares for me. So while I was growing up with this family, I experienced a lot of abuse, mental, physical, and sexual. And sometimes these things go with you. You know, it's, it becomes a part of who you are, and it became a part of me. So fast forward, I'm like 20, <laughs> and I was sitting in a bar because, yeah, in a bar or a church in Jamaica, and these two disciples came in, these two women came into the bar and invited me to a Bible discussion group, and I was impressed by their bravery, <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll come, <laughs> and I jumped on my bicycle, I had a bike, and I went and get a Bible, and the Bible you know, I didn't even believe in God, but I went and got a Bible. And I, I was riding down the steeple coming down, and the Bible fell, and I grabbed it, and the bicycle flipped over, and I get this bruise on my shoulder. I still have it, and I'll tell you more about that bruise later, but while I was studying the Bible, it was, I started studying the Bible after the first discussion group that I went to, that Bible talk that I went to, and I started studying the Bible right after. Went to church and I saw how people were loving and giving. And, uh, but the thing that impressed me the most was looking at God's word. Um, I remember the first, one of the first study that really impacted me was the one that taught, helped me look at my life and the sins were in my life. And I had to journal that part of my life. And, uh, even though I didn't believe in God, I lived a life up to that years of twenty of sin. There was so many sin in my life. There was immorality, there was lying. I became um, I lied a lot when I was young in my twenties. you know there was impurity, and there was just so much sin that when I did a study, I felt like how can I have a relationship with God? How can I be close to God? And then I did a study that looked at the cross. And even though I was feeling unworthy, after I saw what Jesus did on the cross for me, I was blown away, blown away by his unconditional love for me. And, you know, like Lazarus, when Jesus says, come out, I think when you're studying the Bible, there is a point where you just hear Jesus' voice clearly. And I heard his voice when he said, come out. And it was that time, and I felt like even though my life was in such disarray, I was hopeless, I was living in sin, Jesus was saying to me, come out of my tomb. And so I became a Christian in two weeks. So I became a Christian in two weeks. I think the thing that, for me, that I appreciate now after almost 30 years of being a Christian is how much the resurrection still means so much to me. You know, the last 30 years of being a Christian has not always been easy. Maybe 20, 26 years. It's not always been easy. You know, I've been blessed to marry a man who loves God. Um, And I've had four beautiful children. So if you think about how my life began and how it's at now, you think, man, a lot of good stuff has happened. And only because of Jesus. But even during those times, there are challenges. And the last few years, I have had a lot of challenges. I have wrestled with my own relationship with God. I have wrestled with believing that he is here for me and my family. We have had challenges that are humongous, but I still hear that voice, come out. (laughs) And that is what has helped me to remember that he is risen, that I am risen because of Jesus. And so I wanted to say the reason why I'm still standing here, not how I get here anymore, but because I'm still standing here in John 11 verse 25 he says I am the resurrection and the life the one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die I'm here and still alive because I still believe
0: Amen. Thank you so much, Samantha. What a great tie-in to this passage uh, that shows the power of God. Uh, We can read about it in Scripture, but then to see it uh, lived out, to see it in your life the way that you shared, come out. I think that's that's so powerful. There's no situation that is beyond God's love and his providence. Freedom from addiction, challenges in your marriage, dealing with debt, self-discipline, issues, challenges with your kids, your work, we are never without hope. Dead ain't dead with Jesus. Amen. You know, I love that there's an emphasis on how smelly the tomb was, right? There's, there's this idea that, okay, four days, there's, there's going to be some, some stink going on. And it just, I, to me, it represents, there's, there's no situation too stinky for God to work. There's no stink too great for God to say, no, 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 I can still work in this scenario. We're never without hope. Uh, Corey Tin Boom, I shared this last time, she said that there's no pit too deep that God's grace isn't deeper still. There's no pit too deep that God's grace isn't deeper still. God can always work. And so what, what is the call for us? That's the second point today. You know, God redefines situations. The resurrection redefines things. But for us, we need to redirect our life towards him. You know, to, to Samantha's point, come out from the tomb. Come out and redirect your life towards Jesus. Allow the resurrection to lead to redirection. Mary and Martha, they didn't understand everything. They believed that Jesus was the son of God, but they still referred to him as teacher. They believed that he could prevent death, but he probably couldn't bring Lazarus back to life here. They didn't understand the full picture, but what did they do? They changed and and redirected themselves to get to Jesus. In fact, I love this one kind of throwaway line about uh, about Mary. It says, she left those that were comforting her to go to Jesus, which means she directed herself away from comfort to go and be towards Jesus. That's one of the things that keeps us away from Jesus often is we like our comfort. In fact, think about uh, the the tomb, right? We kind of like the tomb that we're in. We don't say that, but we kind of get used to death, and we're like, yeah, this is a nice boulder, this is a nice tomb I got going here, Right? nice uh, aesthetic dripping of some water. I'm used to this dank smell, it's familiar, whatever. And we kind of just get used to things as they are instead of saying, no, let me leave what I know. Let me leave comfort behind and draw near to God instead. Redirect our lives. You know, Mary and Martha, there's one throwaway line about Thomas as well. Thomas uh, is interesting, right? Because later he's known as Doubting Thomas. He doubts that Jesus really rose from the dead and he needs to touch the holes in Jesus' hand and the hole the whole in Jesus' side from the spear. Uh, but in this moment, uh, Jesus says, we're going to go over to Jerusalem even if we're going to face uh, some challenges. Or go over to Bethany, excuse me. Even if we're going to face some challenges and I could die. And Thomas stands up and says, we'll go with you even if we die with you. And what's funny about this is, is Thomas is wholehearted here. But later, just a, a, a few days later, when Thomas has the opportunity to die with Jesus, he, like the rest of the disciples, are going to run o- away <laughs> They're going to miss that opportunity. And I love that this is in here because it's so like me, where it's easy to be excited about Jesus, to maybe have a a great Christian experience. You're like, yes, I'll I'll do whatever it takes for God. And then our life kind of, we drift away and we can feel like, man, it's too far gone. But later Thomas comes back and does end up dying for Jesus, uh, actually in India, which is pretty cool all around. But it's just, our situation is never too far gone, but we need to redirect to Jesus. Lazarus is the ultimate redirection. Right? He hears the voice of Jesus as he's in the tomb, and Jesus says, what? Come out. Lazarus, come out. I'm sure he was confused in that moment. Like, what's happening? You know, why, why is there linen over my eyes, and I'm wrapped up in all this, these uh, um, funeral clothes and things like that? But he comes out of the tomb. There's a, a scripture I want to leave you with from James chapter 4. It says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. I think about connecting with the resurrection and a, a challenge for us today. It's really simple. If he is the resurrection, get close to him. If you want resurrection in your life, if you, you have every reason to have greater hope, it starts by drawing near to God. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's a promise here in scripture. Draw near to God. You know, yesterday the Easter bunny came to, uh, to our neighborhood. Our, uh, our local mayor of our small uh, Borough in Churchill. He uh, drives around uh, his, his little convertible, and he dresses up the car like the Easter Bunny, and there was a person dressed up as an Easter Bunny in there, and there's a police escort, and it's a whole thing, and they hand out candy to the kids in the neighborhood. It's pretty cool. Uh, we missed it the first time in front of our house because the kids were out, but uh, we heard the sirens a little bit later. Basically down this huge hill through the woods in our backyard kind of area, there's another street, and we saw, oh, there's the there it is. There's the, the Easter bunny. And I was like, Jack, go, go, go get some candy. And um, my dad later was like, so you're teaching him to take candy from strangers? I was like, yeah, I guess. But, but Jack, you know, ventured down through the mud, through these like thorns and all this stuff to get down, uh, down to the street. And then he couldn't quite uh, grab the attention yet of the police officer and the Easter bunny. So he had to go down the road and I'm up at the top of the hill and my, my son is six. And so that's the age where you're like, you can do it, but you're also like, I hope he can do it. <laughs> you know, it's a combination. But he's going, and at one point, he's jumping up and down and waving and saying, over here, over here. And the Easter Bunny goes and gives him a, a lollipop. He grabs one for his sister. He comes back up. He's hiking up. He's sweaty. But he did it, right? And I said, Jack, I'm so proud of you. Way to go and get that. He looks at me and goes, I did it for the candy. <laughs> Just like, that's, that's why I did it. I did it for the candy. <laughs> When something is worth it, you're willing to do whatever work goes with it, right? When something's great, it doesn't matter the journey if you're like, the destination is worth it. And in this scenario, the presence of God is the candy. Do it for the candy. Do it for the resurrection. Do it for the presence of God. And whatever it's going to take, I urge you, fight for your relationship with God. To those visiting or those wondering, what does a relationship with God look like? I implore you, study the Bible. Join, get connected, come out to our series that we have going on, uh, dive in. For those that have maybe been around a long time, my challenge to you is, are you ambitious about your relationship with God? Is he just kind of there or is he calling you, come out of the tomb, come out of the tomb, and, and you need to fight for your relationship with God. Allow your life to be redirected towards God. You know, Easter isn't merely a comfort, it's a calling. It's not just a miracle, it's a mission. Easter isn't something we watch, it's something we wield, and it isn't just a celebration, it's a cooperation. The resurrection isn't something that just simply happened, but it is who Jesus is and the role that he wants to play in your life. Don't stay in the tomb and miss the resurrection. Don't let your lack of understanding keep you from missing the resurrection. Don't act like you know better than God and give up and miss the resurrection. And don't go your own way and miss the resurrection. Church, let's draw near to God. Let's connect to the resurrection and experience personal resurrection in our life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing one final song.